Welcome to the Tales from Travellers podcast, a show that aims to share the unique experiences of expats, travellers, and those who have chosen to make a life abroad. Through our guests' unique experiences, we will explore the challenges and rewards of adjusting to a new culture, making connections, pursuing a career, or even raising a family in a different part of the world. Whether you're a seasoned traveller or new to the expat lifestyle, this podcast could be an insightful tool or just a fun distraction if you're thinking about taking the leap and moving abroad. Today's guest is Nadine, an expat turned repat and co-founder of Where's Home, a business set up after her and her family's experiences of moving back to the UK from Dubai. Where's Home aims to streamline the entire home hunting and relocation process. But before we dive into this wonderful business, Nadine, tell me, whereabouts are you in the UK right now? I'm currently in Southwest London. Before we dive into the Dubai experience, how long have you been back in the UK? Well, less than a year. So I moved back August 2022. How have you been finding the less than a year that you've been back in the UK? Yeah, it's been, um, it, it took about six months to really settle and adjust to life back home in the UK. I was out of the UK for seven years and it felt like a lot had changed um, since I'd been away in that time. Um, so yeah, it's taken some adjustment, but I think I can safely say that I'm I'm there. I'm there now. <laughs> back home comfortably now, would you say? Yeah, which yeah. is crazy because it's home. So you'd think, well, I'm just moving home. It should be easy. But actually yeah. things have changed a lot when, when you've been away for some time. No, I mean, my experience of um, being an expat is nowhere near as extensive as yours. For me, probably the biggest shock to coming home was just finding out a couple of shops have closed down near me. Yeah. But um, what was the uh, what was the driving force for initially leaving the UK to go to Dubai? So it was actually for my husband's job. So he got approached by a telco out in Dubai to implement their e-commerce platform. So we were like, oh, it wasn't really on the radar, but great opportunity and a great opportunity to save money as well. Um, we were like back to buy our family home. I found out I was expecting our first child. So I was like, I'm going to be on maternity leave. So why not? I might as well just be in the sun. Um, so we originally went out there with a two to three year plan and ended up staying for seven years. Wow. With, um, with your husband work, was it on like a rolling contract out in Dubai? Or was it a full time permanent residency? It was a full-time permanent contract, yeah. Within that time, he did actually move jobs once, um, but it was a full-time contract. And what about yourself? Obviously, you mentioned that you were expecting your first child. Did you find work out there, or were you kind of just enjoying the Dubai lifestyle, raising a family? So I didn't work for the first two years of being out in Dubai, and it was actually really difficult for me. So I've always worked and had a successful career in finance, in the gaming industry, and not working and being a mum in a, in a foreign country was actually quite challenging. Um, so my only option was to go back to work. And I found the job pretty easily. Um, at the time, I thought it was quite normal. But people that had been an expat in Dubai for many years was like, this is unheard of. You know, from start to finish, um, for interviews, I had the job offer within a month. Mm. People were like, normally it takes a lot longer. Um, yeah, so and that was actually part time. And again, people said nobody gets part time jobs in Dubai. Um, it's only full time, um, but I was, you know, fortunate enough. It was, you know, five days a week, just like, I think it was 25 hours um, a week, um, which was perfect for me. Um, and I'd done that for three years with the same company, which is a media agency. Oh, wow. That, that's quite a big step. I mean, obviously you went in, started a family, um, got, got a new job, started a whole new life. In terms of travel experience and working abroad before, was this the first time you and your husband moved abroad? 
Yeah, it was it was the first time. And do you know, do you want to hear the most craziest thing? We yes. actually hadn't been to Dubai. <laughs> oh, so we hadn't been. No, no, we knew um, little about it. We, um, a friend of a friend lived there and um, didn't know her or you know didn't speak to her beforehand. So it was a completely new experience for us. And at that time as well, Dubai wasn't as popular as it is now. At the moment, everybody wants to move to Dubai. Mm. Um, so it, like now, if somebody moves to Dubai, it's like, oh, I know this person, I know that person. But at that time, we didn't know anyone. So it was a massive, massive gamble. Um, but one of the best decisions we ever made because I really believed it changed our lives in so many ways. Did, did you know much about Dubai? And obviously it's quite a quite a new and young and fresh kind of country in comparison. But did you know much about it before moving out there at all? No, obviously you you hear rumours and you people say, oh, it's like this, it's like that, which is not the case at all. It wasn't as strict as people made out. There was actually when we first arrived, my husband and I were holding hands and we did get a very kind of mm, you shouldn't be doing that. And so from that moment on, we just obviously remained respectful. Um, but it wasn't how people think it is um, in terms of, you know, you still have to dress obviously appropriately, but it wasn't as strict as people think. Um, and in terms of, and at that time, actually, so seven years ago, when I moved over, it was Ramadan. And to how Ramadan is now in Dubai to when I first arrived is completely different. Like you could not find anywhere for a coffee. It was really difficult. Now, everywhere's pretty much open. So it's, um, but yeah, but adapting to the culture was quite easy. It's just, it's just about being respectful. I suppose, again, a lot of people do just tend to go straight onto Google. What can you do? What's the best things to do? I do that every time I go on holiday. Um, yeah. Obviously, you say a lot of people kind of tell you stories. There's always hearsay when it comes to countries. Every country has their, their little horror stories for travellers. But how did the, uh, how did friends and immediate family find find your uh, news that you were moving? Well, actually, for my family in particular, it, it didn't go down too well because we had just found out that we were expecting our first child. Yeah. So, and it was the first child to be born in my family. So my grand, grandchildren and it was, oh, okay, great. You're moving to Dubai, but you're taking the baby. Um, so that was a massive kind of like, and then and the other question actually, which came as a really big one for people was, so what are you going to do for work? Because I've always worked, Yeah. you know? So that was kind of like, okay, so you're not going to work. You're going to have a baby out there that we're hardly going to see. So it was a really, really difficult, especially for my family because um, I'm really close with my family. So that was quite hard um, for them. And then as soon as um, my first son, Joshua, was born, they, they came out. And actually, for my mum in particular, she really loved seeing the life that we had out there. Mm. You know, and she would come out a couple of times a year. But at first, it was quite a challenge. Among those challenges, obviously, moving, communication. Um, did you find any issues moving I mean we're going to dive into a bit more about what mm. you know of where's home but obviously family probably I imagine questions popping into family's head is what are you going to do about your money what are you going to do about your bank what about the car what about all this and that how did you go about effectively uprooting yourself from the UK and moving to Dubai that was actually quite easy um so my husband's company managed it all for us we just had to get three quotes and um, so three shipping companies came around done us a quotation on our items and shipped it over and I think at that time we waited six weeks they put us up in accommodation but um in Dubai you have an Emirates ID 
Um, and this MSID is very, very important. You basically can't do anything without this. You can't open a bank account. You can't get a tenancy agreement. It is like your, your passport, basically. Um, so that did take a little while to come in, and that was quite frustrating. Um, and mine took longer because I couldn't get mine until my husband got his. And I think the reality for me was when I actually got my visa, it said housewife. And I was like, ah. And then I was like, okay, I need a driving license. And then my husband had to write an NOC to give me permission to get a driving license. So that was a massive shock. And I remember um, I actually went to the center because you had to do like an eye test and then convert your British license over to a, um, a Dubai license. And I got refused entry into the center. And I said to the man, sorry, why? And he said, your dress is just above your knee. And I feel like I dress, you know, quite appropriately, but actually on that time, maybe I didn't. And I was really shocked. I was heavily pregnant. I was like, oh, I I don't know what to do. And, you know, you kind of, and and the first thing that you do, which you never do in the UK, is you call your husband, can you help me? This is my situation. So you become a lot more dependable on your partner. Whereas for me, he's always been very independent. So you can, and and again, when I mentioned earlier about, you know, going back to work, that's why I needed that because it felt like everything that I wanted to do was, you know, based on kind of my husband. And we'll touch on it later and we'll talk more about where's home, but the realities of that as well, financially, actually, um, when you do then decide to relocate back to the UK and buy a property because everything is in your partner's name. Yeah. So, yeah, so there was a few challenges around that. In terms of moving as well, um, you mentioned about independence. A lot of uh, Dubai is skyscrapers, apartment buildings. Mm-hmm. Did you move from like a house in the UK to a 10th floor in an apartment building? No, we didn't actually. So we were in an apartment in London, um, just outside London, actually, in Surrey. And then we actually moved to a villa um, because the apartments worried me with a child. Um, yeah. I just, and, I, and it was the the best decision because when we were actually put in accommodation for my husband's company I think it was our first week the fire alarm went off and we was on the 32nd floor but they cut the lifts so you had to go all the way down the stairs and I remember thinking I cannot do an apartment it completely put me off so we've always stayed in a villa okay that's much nicer than my vision but um (laughs) and it's not a villa with a pool by the way a lot of people think oh you've got a villa with a pool no 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 it's not it's basically a standard three-bedroom house in the uk it just sounds posher or more more exotic when you say villa (laughs) it does sound a lot nicer but i suppose you've got you know you've always got that lovely sun to wake up to compared that's very true yeah that's very true but um obviously a villa much nicer than the apartment um what was the and you've never been to dubai before before what was the um I suppose the shock to the weather. What was the shock to this cityscape? Like London um, and Surrey, very, you know, as a lot of people know, very busy, hustle and bustle kind of city. But what was the shift in pace like for you when you got out there for the first couple of weeks? Um, I found it to be very slow, but I think it's because I moved at the wrong time of year. I moved during Ramadan. Mm. So at that time, Ramadan was in June. So a lot of people had left for the summer. So I couldn't actually meet anyone. So it was, yes, and you couldn't, like, restaurants or cafes weren't open. So it's actually really, really difficult. And then there was an, a group called Expat Women. So they they opened, like, you had sat in, like, a like a mall. And you couldn't have any coffees or anything, and you had a chance to meet other expats. And I remember going along, and there were women that was twice my age. 
And I remember thinking, oh, this is not what I signed up for, you know. Um, and I remember someone saying to me, just get through the summer. Once you get through the summer, you'll be okay. And it was the best advice because actually once September hit, people were back from the summer holidays. It was then opportunity to start making friends. Yeah. And obviously the expat community is huge um, and it's only growing year on year. Um, yeah. So many careers um, just tend to be moving out there, especially from the UK. How did you find that initial outreach with the expat community in Dubai? Yeah, really easily, actually. So there was quite a few groups. So there was the expat women um, group and there's a massive um, Facebook group called British Mums Dubai. They're, they're huge. And they've actually set up a Facebook group called British Mums UK. And somebody actually posted um, saying, oh, you know, expect I'm expecting my first child in October. Is anybody else in the same position? I kind of followed the group and then loads of people commented. And they had actually arranged to meet for a coffee. So I went along and I actually made my friends um, from that one coffee meetup. And I feel like that changed my whole experience in Dubai because I had met a good group of friends um, from Surrey, Liverpool, Manchester, um, and they were all my age. Um, so it was it was perfect. And we just became really good friends. Mm-hmm. So I think that because I found that group early on, it allowed me to settle in easier. And I'd kind of made it, it changed my experience. Definitely. If I hadn't met them, I don't know how my experience would have been. I think meeting a few fellow Brits is, is always something that makes everyone yeah. feel a lot more at home. You got that um, sense of sense of humour, sense, your sense of conversation. Exactly. Yeah, and definitely. You know a lot of the same things. And yeah. The the one thing a lot of the people I've spoken to say, making friends is the most important thing. Even if you move out there with someone that you know, yeah. or you with your with your husband, yeah. but making friends is so vital just for your mental health as well to adjust to it without you even realizing it. Most definitely, I agree. But how, how, how did your husband find it? Obviously, he was in full work mode when he got out there. But how did he find this this shift to, into a whole different, I suppose, you know, way of working, perhaps? And there's that that kind of British muscle memory about going about your day. But in, in a work environment, I imagine it could be a bit bit shocking for someone. Yeah. So for my husband, he was in his element because I didn't realise how much he actually wanted to be in Dubai. Dubai was always in his list of places that he wanted to work. Um, so I didn't actually realise how much he wanted to be there. Um, but I think work-wise for him, it was very different because when he actually started working out there, they were really behind on digital. Mm-hmm. Um, so he actually really went in to implement and to educate them um, on digital. So it was a great opportunity and experience for him. Um, and he worked for like a, a government company as well. So he was actually working with the locals. Um, I think you know, it was nat- nationalities from all over the world. But I think at the time, the British actually was quite small. Um, so for him to probably make friends was a lot harder than it was for me because I had to kind of get out there. Mm. But whereas for him, he was at work from, say, nine to six every day. So he kind of almost relied on me making friends for him to make friends, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and, then, and then when Dubai then became so popular and in demand, actually friends that he knew from the UK then moved out to Dubai. Um, and that was probably only about 18 months after we had moved out. Oh, wow. So just bringing, them, bringing everyone over. Yeah, and actually it was different industries, but it's quite interesting because a lot of people, I I feel like now it's changed, but at the time when we moved out to Dubai, people were going to Dubai to save money, you know, that whole kind of tax-free salary, you know, um, they were giving really good expat packages back then, 
as well, where you would get your housing, you would get your education allowance, um, you know, and, and a, a really good salary. So it was very attractive to people, even if you knew not much about it, like us, for example. Um, whereas now with Dubai, people want to go to Dubai. So even if they don't offer the packages that you would have got five, 10 years ago, everybody still wants to be there for the lifestyle. Yeah, um, I mean, I suppose famously a couple of years ago, they were trying to ban influencers from going over there. Exactly, yeah, yeah, no, you're yeah. right. You know, Dubai is that place of luxury, it's a place of scene, scenery. I, I know my, my couple of colleagues, they go there a couple of times a year. Yeah. And um, it's, it's, a, it's a country that I still feel like is finding itself, but everyone's finding themselves along with it as well. And actually, that's spot on. I, I'd agree with that because... You definitely see how people's lives change when they're in Dubai. Um, for the journey that I'm on now, I'd never ever had this in my in my vision or in my my future plans. So I would, I would definitely agree with you on that. Um, you, you mentioned this not being your plans. You mentioned that your husband it was a country that was on his list. Was was Dubai on your list? Was being an expat your list? Was ever traveling abroad on your list, or was this all new with the the husband job? Well, no, actually, so my brother was in Switzerland. Um, he used to work for Nestle, and I used to go over there every weekend. Um, so this was back in 2011, 2010, and I absolutely loved it. And I remember thinking, oh, I'd love to be an expat. Mm -hmm. I'd I, I just remember when I used to just walk around, um, it was beautiful, like Lake Geneva. Like, oh, I'd love to be able to experience this and live, you know, as an expat. And again, my brother was on a very good expat package back then as well. And just thinking, oh, I just want to have loads of money and just <laughs> have a nice tax-free salary. <laughs> At the time, I think, you know, in Switzerland, I think it was like 20% tax, no matter how much money you earned. Oh. Right. And um, yeah, so it was, again, really good packages back then. Um, I feel like now it's, it's changed massively. Um, but yeah, I remember being in Switzerland being like, I want this. Um, but funny, when actually Dubai came up, I didn't want Dubai because by this time I was like, well, I knew we were about to start a family. So it wasn't part of the plan. It was about to buy a house. Mm -hmm. um, so it was like, oh, I'm not really too sure. And then it was like, okay, well, I'm going to be on maternity leave on statutory pay. It's a no brainer to go. Yeah. And um, was, was there anything obviously before Dubai and with your, your brother in Switzerland, was there anything ever holding you back? from becoming, doing the expat adventure or was it kind of that, that life plan and goal that you might have had? You know what? No, there wasn't actually. So funny enough, in 2008, we went out to Canada. Um, so my husband's always worked in telco and back then was Blackberry. Um, I don't think they're around anymore. And he had an interview with Blackberry. And so this was back in 2000, yeah, but 2008 actually. And it was like, oh my God, Canada, Canada. But actually when we were there, it just felt, really slow pace for us and um, we were like early 20s it's like this doesn't feel like the right move Canada is somewhere when you're probably in your kind of like late 30s and mm -hmm. um, so we nearly done that and then we decided not to um, but it was always on my husband's um, kind of vision to, to live abroad. There's usually someone who's, who may have the um, initial plan but then as soon as that kind of, kind of travel bug the wanderlust vibe it kicks in yeah you just, you just realize that there there is a place to go there is an option and... yeah it's the same. I, I have friends who are going out to Canada on, on a whim because I had no idea about it. And, yeah. you know, some people who've worked on cruise ships just as a way to see, see the world. But yeah. um, with with Dubai, it's it's a similar story to people that I've spoken to over the years have gone out there. I'd probably say definitely in the last five to six years, 
and it's been a fantastic opportunity for people to kind of develop professionally and personally. And a lot of them have set up freelance businesses. They've started working you know, quite high up. And yeah. I suppose as well for you with your time out there, you may have seen a lot of them, especially with the um, kind of huge growth that of uh, UK teachers moving out with the, kind of the abundance of English schools opening in Dubai. Massively, it's quite, yeah. quite business orientated when it comes to the, a lot of private and English schools. Yeah, I've actually heard, actually, I'm not going to, yeah, I've actually heard a head teacher say, at the end of the day, we're a business. So, yeah, you're, you're correct. Yeah. 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 And, um, I mean, with your time there, you met the expat community and you kind of, like, grew um, your, you and your husband with um, children and your businesses. Did you find many, many expats coming to you for advice or did you just bump into a lot of fellow expats who are moving into say teaching um, fitness or business yeah I'm quite a approachable person anyway so always was I'm always that person that people would come to for advice and actually if you think about you know the friends that I'd made in Dubai it's a real mix um, of people so you know the occupations that you just mentioned the PTs uh, the teachers um marketing finance um from all over and they all have their own kind of individual challenges um but yeah at the same time and you have some people that have no interest in moving back to the uk they're like nope i'm here forever where some people it's like this you can tell that there's a an underlining kind of i'm missing something but i don't know what it is so I've concluded in myself to myself that actually it's a sense of belonging because everybody says it's just something that I don't I'm not completely happy about. And I feel like it's a sense of belonging because the thing with Dubai is, is it's amazing. And, you know, anybody that wants to go out there, I would say, yep, 100 percent do it. You know, if it be you just want an experience, if you want to save whatever it may be, 100 percent do it. But there's a time where it will come to an end. And just be prepared for that because you'll find probably 70, 72% of expats in the Middle East are not prepared for when that time comes. And unfortunately, when it does come, it's a massive, massive shock. And you'll find that people will, will try and find a way to stay, you know, so they'll do visa runs, they can get an extra 30 days, or they will then come back to the UK. And once they have an opportunity, they'll get back to Dubai. But then they deep down, they just know that it's not forever. And that's why they probably have this kind of lost in them. Did you know that Dubai wasn't going to be forever when you moved out there? Yeah. Yeah. I actually stayed longer than we originally planned. It was only meant to be two to three years. We stayed for seven. But for me, I knew it wasn't always going to be forever. Um, and I feel like I got tested because in two, so we, yeah, in 2019, we got offered to buy the villa that we were in and it was beautiful, like it was absolutely stunning and obviously I'd done the maths and converted it back to the <laughs> to the property prices in the UK and I was like my god why am I moving back to the UK I can't get anything um for this money um but it, it's not the same for me it was like to be home with our families is, is more important I think I think a lot of people realize that especially they might take it for granted and say oh I want to get out of the country because of this or that but you know, you, you'll always come back, and a lot of the time is it is because of like family or friends. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Did um, you obviously out there for initially? You wanted two to three years, ended up saying for seven. Was it a case of like a lot of people I spoke to? They just say one more year. I'm going to do one more year. I'm going to see what happens mm. in one more year. 
what what made you stay for those extra extra few years we, honestly we just we loved it we had the best time and the, it felt like we were always on holiday we never ever had the sunday blues that you'd have in the uk there was just never that cloud that hung over you on a sunday night and it was it was just a great place to live um you know we never you kind of have that thing about uk but it was never we never seriously spoke about it to be like yeah we need to move back and and then in 2020 when covid hit it took us by surprise and it was like ah actually this is something that we could never have imagined um, and something that we hadn't planned for because if you have to go you know and, and and we became comfortable and honestly we became very very comfortable in dubai and i think for many it was a massive wake-up call um that you know dubai isn't forever but most importantly if you need to get home sometimes you, you, you might not be able to no um i think like a lot of the world every, yeah dubai shut down and for a lot of people it was quite difficult obviously you had the villa but how did covid really kind of affect you obviously everything came to the standstill worldwide but Obviously, you, you couldn't come home, um, and when COVID hit and all the lockdowns began, how, how did that affect you and your family immediately? Yeah, quite a lot, actually. So I had my third son um, during COVID, so in 2020, just when we was about to go into lockdowns. He was born on the 16th of March. Dubai went into lockdown on the 20th. Um, and then on that same week, my mum got diagnosed with breast cancer. So it was like a double double whammy. And um, at the time, my husband uh, was due to start a new job um, and the contract was taking forever to go. And this is normal in Dubai. This is completely normal. It's inshallah, whenever we get it, all good. Um, but it was a very kind of like, mm, okay, I didn't really think it was going to take this long. You know, um, how do we get home? It, it, and this is where Where's Home actually stemmed from. Um, but one of the biggest things for us during COVID was, was my mum then got really ill quickly um, with the cancer and I, I couldn't get back home. I was literally, and she, you know, she went really quickly and we didn't, nobody expected it. But I remember when I got the call from my brother that morning and he said, it's too late, it's, it's too late. And I remember just feeling so stuck that I couldn't do anything. I, I could not physically get on a plane. And I remember trying to call the UK government and it was like, send us an email. And the funny thing was, is by the time I managed to get into the UK, I received an email back from the UK government, which simply said, look at our website, you know, and it just shows that, yeah, it was, it was literally that. So it's like, waiting those 10 days was pointless. Yeah. You know, Um, and by that time, obviously my mum had passed it and it was too late. I, I couldn't see it before she went. Um, but that was a massive, massive wake-up call um, for us in that, you know, your parents are not always going to be around. Um, my my in-laws, are, you know, they're mid-70s now as well. Um, so that was probably, so COVID plus my mum passing was something that we just never envisioned happening. Um, and it did, um, you know, and then obviously the, the delay in my husband's job was just, just a massive reality that actually this could just blow up at any second or your situation can change dramatically. First of all, I'm sorry for your loss that happened for it. Um, Thank you. No, it's, um, I, I can't imagine what that must have been like to go um, through. 
And I suppose with, with that in mind, you, there was zero hesitation. Were, were you and her husband saying straight away, yeah, we're moving back to the UK, we'll find work, we'll find home? No, more me. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they want me my husband's like no it's gonna be fine it's gonna be fine I'm like mm, I'm not too sure um so yeah so he um you know he, he's his contract came through and stuff and he always knew that it would and um, you know he's used to that all the time because the company that I worked for in Dubai was a British company so we done things a lot quicker so it was a bit of a different kind of culture um, but he was like, it's all fine, it's all fine. But for me, it was like, okay, no, we we need to get we need to get planning, and I think we need to put a time now on when we leave Dubai. Um, and we gave ourselves, you know, the two years to really make sure that we're doing the right thing. It wasn't like an overnight, okay, we'll go in tomorrow. It was like, okay, no, twenty twenty two. I think we I think we leave. And it gave my husband um, a good amount of time to digest it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's that's probably more than enough time, but. Obviously, um, there's you, there's your husband, and obviously that the, the uh, probably even bigger factor when it comes to parents is um how how yeah. did how did your children take it? Obviously, they were pretty much born and raised in Dubai. They were used to this lovely weather, used to living in the villa. Yeah. How did they take the news of you saying we're going to be moving for you back to the UK, but for them they're just moving to the UK. Exactly, and for them they were actually really excited because um, they wanted to be with their cousins, so their cousins are the same age as them. So and it started to get to that point because I remember before COVID, we were back in 2019. And I remember that particular trip, when we was on the taxi on the way back to the airport, my eldest son was crying. I don't want to go back to Dubai. I want to be here with my family. And that was the first time he'd ever cried. So actually when we said we're moving back to the UK, they were overjoyed. They were like, yay, I'm going to be with my, with my cousins. Um, and actually seeing how they've adjusted to the UK, um, they've done amazing and, and you know, they're, and they're loving it, which is probably why I can't think about Dubai mm. because of how much they love the UK. But one thing that I will say is, and, you know, I've had this from the feedback from the teachers is you can see they've had a really good start to their education because they're already a year ahead of the kids in their class. Yeah. And so in Dubai, they start school at, when they're age three. So at that, there was questions and I was like, oh, is it really private, you know, UK private education level? Is it, is it the same? I questioned that at times when, you know, certain things would annoy me. But actually now being on this side and, you know, my children are only year one and year two. Actually, the education that they get in Dubai is really good. And, you know, my son now who's in year two is learning about Ramadan because it's Ramadan at the moment. And the fact that he can actually really talk about the experience and talk about, oh, okay, yeah, we're learning about this on a Friday because Friday is a prayer day. Yeah. For me, that's amazing. And that's an opportunity that they probably wouldn't have had in the UK. But, you know, they're so, much, they're so open now to different nationalities and different cultures that I believe that they got that from Dubai. It's definitely an incredible upbringing that they would have had and then moving back here so so definitely Dubai again I'm so, so multicultural mm. as well so many places taken and I think definitely the UK kind of education system and how everyone's starting to embrace it has really moved on over the over the like last decades yeah but, um, did, did the um I've always talked about people finding the culture shock when they move abroad did your children mm. find anything obviously you come over here to visit with them but did they find anything mm a bit odd when they started living in the UK or was everything kind of normal from their time coming over? No, actually, there's been quite a few things. Um, so they're still not adjusting to trousers. Oh. 
I will not wear trousers to school. I've now just given up on the daily fight because they're just like, why would anybody want to wear trousers? Why don't you want to wear shorts? It's, it's comfortable. Um, they've become football mad. They never used to play football um, in Dubai. Um, one of the things from what my, my elder son is, is actually, again, Dubai is quite advanced with some other things. So my elder son was doing triathlon training from the age of five. Mm -hmm. In the UK, they don't start until they're eight. Um, so that's been quite a, an adjustment. We've had to kind of work around that. Um, but yeah, they've definitely been like, uh, uh, there was something, I can't remember what it was, um, where they've kind of been like, oh, we don't do this in, in Dubai. Um, but they've, they've adjusted quite well. And actually, um, I remember when they, before they started their new school, I put them in for a holiday camp. And one of my sons came home crying, you know, really upset. And I said, what's wrong? And he said, I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back. And I said, why? And he said, everybody keeps asking me if I'm American. You know, and I'm like, oh, okay. Because he had a bit of a twang. Yeah, because oh. in Dubai, you have this kind of American, I, I don't know, but <laughs> there's definitely a, tw a twang. So instead of holidays, he says vacation. Uh, yeah. um, so they did have a bit of a, a shock um, and, and set them back in. Overall, it's been totally fine. But there's been a few adjustments for them as well. Yeah, a couple of the little language hurdles of that, um, the, the US English, uh, that is definitely something that I'm aware of. A few people, including myself included, when we taught in, in China, it, it, even though you're teaching them UK English, they seem to know a lot yeah. more US English. So you end up picking up candies and vacation. Exactly, candies. Exactly. Yeah, and then you move back to England and all my mates um, just took the piss out of me for thinking of America, <laughs> but not realising it's something I'd pick up. I do remember actually what it was, actually. I remembered now. So um, I don't know if you're familiar, but with Dubai, Dubai is set up to serve. Okay, mm. so you don't really do anything for yourself. And one of the things is when you get to a petrol station, you don't fill up your own car. So you sit in the car and the man fills up the car for you and then you just tap your card and you go on your way. When we moved to the UK, my husband's got out of the car and is filling the tank. So my son says, why is daddy filling the car? I said, oh, because, you know, they filled the car. <laughs> He's like, so where's the man? <laughs> I was like, there is no man. He's like, but surely somebody's coming to fill the car. <laughs> I'm like, no one's coming to fill the car. And his face, he was really confused. It wasn't, you know, a bratty. He was just like, I don't understand. Why is nobody here? Yeah. You know, he, and, and, and that's the thing I feel like you have to do the timing right because he's seven, okay? He can grow out of it. But when you're kind of teenager, 13, 14, 15, it might be quite difficult, right? Where's the valet parking? And I've, I've seen this numerous times with, you know, people that have relocated over, clients I've seen and their children have said, so where's the, where's the valet parking? You know, so it does take <laughs> adjusting, but unfortunately the UK is a real world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the UK is something a bit different. I mean, even thinking about that, you think of like the good old fashioned America as well. And yeah, yeah. A, a lot of that here. The best you'll get here is um a rainy, rainy petrol station in the middle of a Tesco's on a Sunday. But, exactly. <laughs> yeah, God bless for contactless payment. <laughs> but, did you um did, did you pick up any pets while you're over there um, no. at all? Or was it just you you no. and the children? Yeah, no, I'm not into pets. No. Because <laughs> um what one thing I noticed, obviously, um I'd like to talk a bit more about um where's home. Obviously it's mm. um that there are so many interesting things that, that you offer. And uh, one of the things that didn't even like cross my mind when it came to people mm -hmm. moving with a family is 
all the little bits, which I'm assuming you've picked up from both your experiences and your friends. And it's things like even helping bring your pets over because you, even though you don't forget that they're part of the family, when it comes to relocating, that's one thing you think, oh God, how do I get, how do I get a dog over to Dubai? Yeah. And that's actually one of the most stressful things. Like if you have a child, it's part of it. But if you don't have a a child, pets become people's children. And actually you have to really plan because you have to make sure all their vaccinations are in place. You have to pre-book their cage. If it's a certain type of dog, it needs a certain type of cage. It can only go in a certain airline. So there's actually a lot to it. It's not just a case of like, oh yeah, fine. I'll take my dog with me or my cat. It's not. And one particular client, um, bless her, she actually had four cats and she needs to relocate back. But her biggest struggle was no landlord would take her in the UK. He was like, don't want pets anyways, let alone four. Yeah. Um, obviously, I, I'm, I am like a dog with a bone. I don't give up. And I was like, oh, don't worry, I, I'm going to find your property, which I did. But actually, it's, it's more, it's not only do you have to relocate your pets back, but if you're going into a rental, there's another hurdle that you have to overcome as well because most landlords don't like pets. No, it's um, it's it's a very rare find to see a tenancy that will allow pets, no, no matter yeah. how big or small. And luckily, that they're the they're the landlords who end up having the long term tenants because they know they won't leave. Yeah. <laughs> so so um, with with where's home? What was the what was the brainchild behind it? Did you have such a terrible experience moving back to the UK that you said someone's got to sort their shit out? so actually it began with um when we were like okay in 2020 okay we're gonna make the move in 2022 let's now uh, decide where we're gonna move back to so i'm originally from southeast london my husband's from west london and we were leaving in surrey before we moved out but now we were moving back with three kids so it was a completely different type of search now and i remember we were looking at you know we were jumping from right move um to um, gov.uk to look at schools, to TFL to look at train links. And was like, and then we created a spreadsheet of like, okay, so this town offers this, this is the commute into London. And we were like, this is insane. There must be like an easier way. And you spend time on forums seeing kind of like where people are relocating to. And everybody was asking the exact same question. Like I've been out of the UK for 18 years. Me and my husband met here. I'm from Preston, he's from Kent. Where do we move to? And we were like, there's a massive, massive gap. There's not a platform that actually allows anybody to find a location. So anyways, we thought we had nailed down um, four areas and then it was like, okay, great. Now, um, okay, now we're going to buy a place. So let me apply for a mortgage. It's like, well, no, you can't because you've been an expat for many years. You can't just rock up to Nat West who I've been banking with for 20 years and be like, can I have a mortgage? Because you're not paid. And then there was a whole process and it was like, okay, well, I need to now find a specialist mortgage broker. So it wasn't as straightforward as we thought. And again, we were just jumping from site to site. And I'm a big person for forums. I love hearing people's feedback. Mm. I, I, you know, I need to know what people's experiences are. Um, so that's how we, we built our, our partnership, basically. And we tried and tested them a lot ourselves. Um, and we continue to do so now. But also hearing people's feedback about their experiences. So we wanted to create a, pretty much a one-stop shop where you can say, Nadine, I am in um, China, for example, and I want to move to London, but I don't know where, and I have three kids and a dog, please sort it out for me. Because one of the things that people don't realise as well is, is you have the mortgage side, which is, again, specialist, stamp duty, you pay extra as an expat, 
and you can't just go and get a car on on lease on, on finance yeah because yeah. you have no credit rating so then we then partnership we partnered with enterprise to then do the higher car option or otherwise you just buy the car um, outright but there's such a process to it and we just really want to be able to remove that stress because when you are relocating back home if it's your choice or if it's not your choice we believe that it should be filled with enjoyment you should really be able to enjoy the experience and not have to and also be able to carry on with your day-to-day work and life right mm. but a lot of people one of the biggest things is is where do i move back to in the uk and it's that fear of i don't know that town anymore or areas have changed you know the school used to be outstanding but now it requires improvement or it was outstanding now it's moved to an academy what does an academy even mean mm. you know people no longer know all this stuff from you say going onto the first website to getting everything locked in place and getting on that plane how long did it take you to sort your uk lives out and um, so the actual the whole planning phase took close to two years um, I'm, and actually the locations that I thought we were going to move to isn't actually where we ended up. So, um, one of the biggest things for us is, um, you know, we come from, I'm a mixed race family and I needed to move to an area that was diverse. Yeah. I didn't want to move to, you know, a kind of a village where not many people have traveled and it was just, you know, it's difficult to make friends. So it was quite important that we moved to quite a transient place where you could kind of be able to talk about experiences or my children to go to an international school and meet people from all over the world. I kind of wanted to carry on that same expat kind of feel, um, which is how we ended up in Southwest London. Um, and actually when we then moved back from the time that we landed to actually, you know, it's been nine months for me now, but it took a good six months um, to settle. Obviously three months of that, we didn't have our belongings and our container. So we didn't have, we were in an empty house for like a month. So you're in this transition phase. Um, and, you know, some people go and stay with family, but obviously we work with other companies that do short-term lets until your container arrives and you have your personal um, belongings. But even when you relocate back, you just have this period where you're kind of in limbo because you're waiting on your stuff to come. Unless you say, unless you move back into your house that you rented out fully furnished. Yeah. But then even then some people were like, mm, I kind of want you stuff. So no matter what, when you move back, you are in a limbo stage. Was there a limbo phase when it came to you and your husband um, moving back over here with work or you more with the British company? Were you able to transfer? Um, was your husband able to transfer? Or was it a case of finding new, new, whole new roles? So I work on where's home fully. Um, so for me, it was quite easy and it was important for me to be in the UK. Um, I have a team here, consultants that obviously do the relocation, but I needed to be uh, present. Um, I always like to, it's difficult because when I was in Dubai, I could meet clients face to face, but actually um, I'm able to offer orientations now. So when they come over to view, to view schools or um, houses, I can actually meet them face to face, which is what I like. Um, but for my husband, he's actually still employed um, in Dubai. Okay. And he kind of, yeah, so he still commutes. Oh, from the UK to, to Dubai and like takes up? Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's still, he's still employed there. So There's always that, going to be that connection with Dubai at the moment. Then. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so you mentioned that um, Where's Home, did you start this out in Dubai then? And did this start with um, Br- British expats and tr- you helping them move back to, to the UK? Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, it started out um, in Dubai um, and... 
it was it was never kind of a topic that got spoken about you might say oh you know do you have any plans to move back but it was always loosely with people it was always like yeah I see or no I'm definitely not going back to the UK it was always kind of nobody ever kind of said yep at this I only actually know one girl who was like I'm out in 2020 and she was literally she left in 2020 she said she hated it from the day that she arrived and she was like always wanting to get out um but then actually when I then started building where's home when you actually really start to ask people questions and you actually start to go through the process you then hit a nerve or a trigger that's like oh I'm actually not in control of this I didn't I never thought about leaving so I don't actually know So, yeah, so that's quite, that's quite an interesting one. And even in terms of, you know, people that have bought houses in Dubai and they've set up home, they're still like, oh, actually, yeah, maybe I will move back one day, but I've not really thought about it. Or, and especially COVID, it made a lot of people think as well and then be like, okay, when is that time? Yeah, how, how did you find, obviously, living in Dubai and setting up this business, helping people move home, how did you ever feel a little bit out of touch with the UK or did you come back frequently enough to still know enough to, I suppose, help people move back here? Yeah, so that's a really good question, actually. And obviously I hadn't been back for some time because of COVID, but I had built a team and a team of partners that were on the ground that could educate. So I picked very particular, um, in terms of like estate agents, for example, who obviously I work really, really close to you. I made sure that I picked the right ones that knew those areas. So not just in terms of trying to sell you something. So that was kind of my saving grace. Um, So I almost built the clientele from the Middle East and then the people here would then be able to actually help with the move and be on the ground to give me you know, the real information. Because you can look online all day and you could see this, you can see that, but you need the real kind of on the ground experience and you know we have some people that call and they might not be a full concierge client and it could literally be like i'm thinking about moving to this area could you just go and take some pictures for me or can you just go and view a house for me because they just don't know what it looks like anymore and they can't find the right information online the internet is always constantly up to date but always seemingly out of date as well for a lot of yeah yeah but um, you want to mention estate agents, getting all the people want to know the areas. I imagine, especially when it comes to, as you mentioned, the really great education system that's in Dubai. Do you get a lot of kind of clients and friends who are saying, I, I want to move somewhere, but I, I want somewhere that's based on a really good education. Did, did that come up quite frequently with education for their children coming first? And also, did that play a factor in you where you decided to move back? Because um, obviously you want to maintain yeah. that quality of education with your children. Yeah, definitely. So one of the things that we tell a lot of people, especially most of our clients are families, but one of the biggest things is we always think that the school should dictate where you move back to. To be honest, I think that the school should be the driving factor. Um, you know, especially if you're doing state school, you're tied to the catchment area, right? So you can't really go so far out. Um, but even now, the government's really kind of, you know, tightly in on at what point you can actually apply for a school place. You need to now show proof that you have a one way ticket to the UK before they'd even, you know, take time to even look at your application. So it is quite restrictive now. Um, but you have, a lot of parents um, are very much like, yep, it's about the schooling. It's about the schooling. And especially for those that's got additional needs as well. So it's now... Um, 
you know, in Dubai, um, children with additional needs, it's it's the parent's responsibility to get that help for their child. So you'd actually pay someone to actually go to the child's school. That's on you, not the school. Whereas in the UK, it is a lot more supportive and there's a lot more, I guess, um, help or schemes that can help parents. And I definitely feel like this is kind of attracting more parents to now think about, um, you know, moving back to the UK for their children's education. And also when you kind of get to the, the higher education level, where you then have to start paying international fees when you don't have a presence in the UK. That's also in the back of people's minds as well. Okay, I want my children to go to university in the UK. They're now going to be seen as an international student, so therefore paying international fees. So that's a, a big thing. And for us as well, it was really important um, that we got the kids into a, a UK school at the right time. Yeah. Um, my cutoff was year three, and we actually moved my eldest was year two. I feel like after year three, it becomes very, very competitive. And that's where, especially if you're looking at private education, that's where a lot of parents would then decide to move their kids. So you are, you know, and I know clients that they've flown their kids over to sit the exam. And I think it's great, but the kids are exhausted. Yeah. You know, they fly over and then they have to go and sit an exam and depending on their age or the schools, there's, you know, one school in Cambridge and it's a whole day thing, you know, and the kids have, leaving crying and they go into that school and they're and you know they're really happy but at that time their first impression is gosh i've got to do all these exams what's it going to be like yeah you know? quite, quite so important. i think timing is key yeah with timing is key did, did you um did you also find was it primarily uk expats you were working with as well who were looking to come back to the uk or did you were there other say other other cultures other nationalities that were in play that might want to move to the uk or is it primarily uk citizens it's actually mixed so i'd say 90 percent is is british uk um who are moving back home and um, it's like i want to move back and they're moving back for good mm. um but you also do have a mix where um particularly in south africa where a lot of people now want to come over to the uk and you're finding that they get a job but they have no support and they don't know the UK. They get here and what they think is, oh, I can get an Airbnb until I find somewhere. But it's, it's a struggle. It's, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's a real struggle for them. And I suppose on, on the flip side of that as well, whilst you are out in Dubai and now you're back in the UK, do you get many people asking you for relocation advice and moving to Dubai and the UAE? Yes, I get this a lot, actually. And, uh, you know, it's funny because so many people have said to me, why are you not moving people to Dubai? Yeah. You must be crazy. Why are you not doing it the other way? And I'm sure at some point we will. But at the moment, where's home? It really pulls up my heartstrings because I understand the struggles of just relocating back home. Um, you know, and for people that lose their jobs, you literally have 30 days to get out of Dubai and people are left and you know for me it's not work I will take calls all day long and speak to people and tell them okay this is what you need to do and I will not charge them because I don't believe that going home should be stressful it should be enjoyable so although Dubai has a special place in my heart I, I don't want that to be the focus right now and uh, maybe in the future 
Um, but yeah, I can, I can see why people keep asking me, to be honest. It's becoming popular. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people obviously always romanticise it. And I think, as we discussed, a yeah. lot of people are looking to move, relocate, or just go on an, an adventure itself. And Dubai has always got that appeal. Just yeah. it's, it's perfect for, you know, photos and memories. That's what yeah, a lot exactly. of people can't exactly. wait to see. Yeah. But with, um, with, with moving children and moving kind of lifestyle over and settling and how long did it take you to get back into being you know being back in the UK did, did you feel at home day one or was it weird walking down streets that you used to know it was weird really weird because it had changed so much um London has just it's changed a lot um when I go into central London I'm it still blows my mind. I'm like, this is a beautiful city. I look around like a tourist. Um, but I remember for, I'm going to say about a good four to six weeks, it didn't feel like I had moved back. It felt like I was just back for the summer. It didn't really feel real until my children were in their school uniforms and they were going to school. And I was like, okay, I think this is kind of real now. This is actually, you know, really happening. Um, and then you start getting the, the bills in the post. Um, we never got bills in Dubai. Everything was done digitally. And it's like, oh, okay, no, I think this is um, real UK life now. <laughs> yes, bills in the post. <laughs> that is perfect British life. But how? what about your children? You mentioned they didn't, like, they didn't want to come go back to Dubai. They didn't want to go home. They were crying. But was there a moment that you kind of saw in their eyes where they knew they were home and you knew that as well? Yeah, like, I think when they when they started school, after maybe two to three weeks and they were really settled, it, everything just, fit, it just all fell into place. And it's almost like this is where they've always been. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you would never, you'd never believe that they'd only just started the school. Um, and I think it's, you know, I'm going to take credit here, but we chose the right school. I think that definitely made a massive difference. If we hadn't chosen it, it could have been a completely different experience. Um, but I feel that choosing the right school has actually changed our whole experience, probably, um, to be honest. Um, but for the boys and I, I, you know, I check in regularly and I said, you miss Dubai and it's only ever I miss my friends. Yeah. You know, and we talk about, you know, going on holiday and this is going to sound really bad for saying this, but they're like, I want to go to the Maldives because everybody in Dubai goes to the Maldives. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you don't talk about Benidorm, you talk about, you know. Yeah, yeah. Benidorm, you're going over, you're going over Paris, you're going over Rotty. You know, so, um, but they've, yeah, they've, they've, they've done amazing and especially adjusting to, you know, UK life. Um, especially around the delivery system as well in Dubai everything got delivered like everything including petrol you know and they've just somehow just adjusted to just having to do stuff for themselves yeah that, that, I mean if anything that that's that's a credit to you then yeah thank you <laughs> and um, you, you, <laughs> you, you mentioned picking the right school how, how did you go about choosing the school so obviously this is what I, I do um but for me it was the constant drilling of the teachers you know so I worked out which secondary school I wanted uh, the boys to go to based on academic results and also what offered good sports Um, boys are very very sporty so that was key and then I then found a school which fed it not not feed but it basically a lot of the pupils went on to that school 
Um, and then, you know, we flew over to visit the school. The boys came, um, met with the head teacher. I had calls actually before we actually visited the school. And I remember there was two schools and one of them being where the boys go now and another school. And the tone of the voice, you know, the, the lady that I'd spoken to in admissions, her tone was really bad. I didn't like it. And it put me off straight away because I was like, mm, that's your, your tone for something that you don't know. How is actually the whole experience going to be? And, you know, a good judge of character because actually that school is, you know, five minutes up the road from my boys' school. And the feedback hasn't been good at all from other parents. They've actually moved their kids from that school to where the boys go to now because it's very competitive. You know, you have to be academically bright. And, you know, kids are getting tutors at really early ages. And, mm. um, you know, the big thing now is a lot of people talk about this 11 plus and, you know, have you got a tutor, which I don't agree with. I feel like, yeah, get your child help but don't prep them for an exam only to pass to get into the school because once they get into that school, if they're not academically bright as over those kids, same as those kids, they might struggle. And then that's where problems really then begin to kick in, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, I really kind of done my research on that and actually just, I guess, the values of the school as well, that was really, really important, you know, um, and just made sure that it was a, a caring and nurturing school and also that it had um, kind of a good diverse and international mix of kids as well which it had one thing i've always said about when it comes to schools especially when it comes to you know independent private and international schools the way they represent themselves across um, social media nowadays like a lot of things is is a window into the real world as opposed to just like a shop window that is a website but um, did you go about checking out a lot of their social media for this as as well like making sure they represent their values in the day-to-day Exactly that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, it's funny because I still do that now for other schools and where's home. So obviously I follow schools, but I actually go and visit the schools because one of the things that I notice is a lot of schools will try to p- portray a certain image over their social media, particularly in, in brochures, right? They want you to kind of think like, oh yeah, like they've got this or it's diverse and actually you get to the school and it's like, oh, okay, that playground didn't look like this in the, in the brochure. Um, so I'm always constantly out visiting school and, and that was one of the cool, amazing things about being back in the UK. I can actually go and visit the schools, you know, so when, you know, clients do contact me, I can actually say I've been to that school and I can tell you it's like this. So for me, that's probably a massive tick on being back home mm. um, because it really allows me to to grow where's home and actually to give real honest, in my opinion, I guess, in my opinion, that, you know, might not be, be for everyone, but just you know, real current and, I guess, information that allows parents to make the right choice. Yeah. And with with schools, with homes, and it's it's kind of a talking point, especially in the UK. I was recently in mm-hmm. Iceland and they were okay. talking about, the, they, they've heard horror stories about the cost of living in the UK. Everyone's mm-hmm. aware of it, you know, energy crisis. Do you get a lot of clients? I know that obviously there's um, a bit of a bit of a pay difference in the, in Dubai and the Middle East. But mm. Do a lot of people reach out and say, "Is the UK affordable? Is it realistic now?" Yeah, yeah, I get it all the time. And actually, you know, I've had a couple of clients recently that have actually put their move on hold for now. So they really want to move back, but they're like, they do the numbers, and they're like, it's not worth our while. Yeah. it's not I, I, and and you know it's funny I really get it and I understand why you know we mentioned earlier about the teachers for example mm. that's a prime example you know there's a massive gap at the moment in the UK um, for teachers and a teacher in Dubai would be paid you know three thousand pounds net 
a month plus they get their accommodation for free you know in depending on where you are in the uk if you look at the southeast of england you know to clear three thousand pounds for a teacher is very unlikely and then even if you do half that's probably going to go on your on your rent so i can see why now people are thinking well i'm best off going abroad and i can have a good life and i don't need to worry about the cost of living and i can enjoy the sun it, it is unfortunate and but for a lot of people obviously working it that you go where the money is you go with the mental health is that's what that's another reason a lot of teachers yeah. tend to leave yeah. um what, what do you tend to tell a lot of your clients um when, when they ask these questions and they want to go to a school but there are so many international and private schools mm. that especially in england you know the kind of the legacy of a, of a private british education gets carried over to a lot of international schools Mm. And a lot of these schools have branches in um, the Middle East. I know there's um, mm. NLCS, there's RGS. There's so many of these old heritage English That's schools. Good. Even Dulwich College now as well. Yeah, there's the new ones mm. popping up all the time. Yeah. Um, how, how do you tend to explain to these parents who are moving out of Dubai to England and, you know, they, they might have to downsize on a house or they, the school might not be as up to standards? Mm. Do you find these people need a little encouragement or do you think as with you home is where Mm. the heart is Mm. yeah most definitely and one of the things as well always tell people this is why location is so important because if you choose the right location you can actually get a really good outstanding state school you don't need to send them to a private school because if you now look at you know people going on to um university a lot of them, the percentage now is higher from state schools than it is from independent schools, mm. particularly grammar schools. Grammar schools are doing so well. And I feel you can probably get the same level of education. Don't get me wrong. You know, when you're talking about sports, you're talking about school trips. Yeah, there is still a gap there. But in terms of education, if you choose the right state school, it's the same as an independent school. But you have to make sure you choose the right school. And unfortunately, that obviously depends on the area that you're moving to. Yeah. You know, there's areas, and, you know, Kent in particular is becoming very, very popular. And you're, we're finding, actually, because with the platform, we we'll find that a lot of people within the UK are using the platform to work out where to move to now. And Kent is becoming very popular. And I'm not surprised because there's so many good grammar schools. They've got good independent schools as well, but grammar schools that you can move there, get a house with double the size, and still and not have to pay for the school fees you know <laughs> so they're brainer yeah <laughs> it's, it's a no-brainer but i think um you know i don't i would never you know push someone to send their child to an independent school because i feel like you know i don't know but i just feel like the right school is so important and i sometimes you know you can speak to my clients and then i actually will say to them choose this state school over that private school because it's equally as good and you're not paying for it. Yeah, um, I mean, I found similar trends with it as well. A lot of people tend to move them in because of, one, a legacy, but I think as well, a a lot after COVID, a lot of parents were moving their children to private schools because Mm -hmm. of the online resources, but then afterwards, it was a bit of a shift back to the state. And I I think, again, the quality is picking up, but again, that's, um, hopefully they maintain it and, you know, Fingers crossed for the UK education system. Yeah. But um, with 
obviously Dubai, you've um, obviously had an incredible story, seven years starting off your company, helping people move, which is in, in itself a fantastic um, mission goal. But was there a point either throughout those seven years in Dubai where whilst you were still in that very much an expat mindset of living in Dubai, did you have a moment where you said to yourself, I'm here, I'm in Dubai and it's all real, it's all now and I'm so happy to be here. And can you remember that yeah. moment? Yeah, I do actually. And I, I remember that moment very, very well because I actually said it to a friend. And, um, you know, at that time, I loved, you know, the villa that we were in and, you know, in lockdown, we didn't even notice the kids because my, you know, one of my children actually learned to ride their bike in the garden because the garden was so massive, you know, and to try and get that in the UK is just insane unless you're ridiculously rich or you move out to the middle of nowhere. Mm. Um, and I remember, you know, the boys' school being so close and being really happy with the school and just being happy with day-to-day life. You know, I'd walk and do my exercise and I couldn't run in Dubai. That's probably one of the things that, I really missed and what I love being back in the UK for now. But, you know, going to my F45 and having everything so close. One thing I would say about Dubai that I'm probably struggling with in the UK is people make time for each other more than they do in the UK. It feels like, you know, after work, you would say, oh, do you want to quickly catch up for a dinner? Whereas in the UK, after work, people just go home and, I don't know, sit down. be depressed, I guess. <laughs> so that that's um so at that point i remember and i remember saying to a friend i'm so happy with where i am right now you know i would go and i'd drop the boys off to school i'd meet a friend for a coffee guaranteed three times out of the week i'd meet someone for a coffee if it'd be in the morning or the afternoon i'd go and do my exercise you know mentally i was in a really really good place and i don't i felt like i was life was amazing yeah, I, to be fair, every time I see someone go out into Dubai or live out there, everyone says it's absolutely beautiful, and yeah. it, it's it's a place you have to experience to fully appreciate. Hundred percent. But um, w- would you say there's any bit of advice that you'd offer someone who's thinking about making that move to the Middle East and to Dubai? Because I think over the last few years, there's obviously various news stories. Mm-hmm. There's various like misconceptions about it. People tend to have their views on it. Some people think it's like there's nothing there. But what would you um what would you suggest to someone or get, offer advice to about moving out there? So there's one or two things for me. So understand your why and why you want to go there. So if you're going there purely for the lifestyle and you're like I just want to go and have a great time, then that is hundred percent the place for you. And I mean like go and do it because you won't regret it at all. You'll have experiences, you know. To go, you know, Thailand, I think, is like seven hours away. Um, India is three hours away. So you can actually really travel um, at a fraction of the price that you would do from the UK. So in terms of traveling that side of the world, amazing, if that's what you, you know, you want to do. Um, and just overall experiences with in Dubai. Um, the food, the eating out is amazing. And, you know, the restaurants are just the best. Um, but on the other side, if you're now thinking about, okay, I want to go to Dubai because I want to save money just really check your contract and check what's on offer because the expat packages that were being offered years ago is not the same that's being offered now. And at the moment, the cost of living in Dubai has skyrocketed. It's like really, really expensive. And, you know, I've had friends, I've got friends, sorry, that have had to move literally in the desert 
because the rents have got so expensive and i mean literally in the middle of nowhere oh wow because they've got really really expensive yeah so you know check your contract and make sure that you know they're covering some type of housing they're covering education if you have got kids you've got your medical cover and most importantly make sure that they're going to offer something back for your repatriation back home because at the moment relocating back to the uk even if you do it independently is a lot of money um, some people are actually thinking about not even shipping their belongings because you're talking over £10,000 now. It's a lot of money. So, yeah, so just check those things. If all good, then 100% go and do it for the experience. Oh, wow. I, I never even considered looking at some of the, some of those little points, especially the cost of repatriating. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, definitely definitely good advice on that end. We, um, You obviously mentioned that your husband is still kind of working abroad and commuting back and forth um, from Dubai back to the UK. A lot of uh, people that I've known, myself included, have had that long distance relationship whilst living that kind of expat lifestyle. Is there any advice you'd offer to someone in a relationship who is either going through this long distance relationship and they're a bit, bit unsure about how to maintain their relationship? What, what would you offer them in terms of advice? Yeah, so I definitely think um, you need to remember your why. I think that's really important. Um, You've obviously both come to that decision for a reason. It could be career choice. It could be, you know, money, whatever it may be. Just remember the why. But communication is really key as well. Um, You know, get yourself into a really good rhythm, um, a routine. And, you know, if you do have children and, you know, you're there alone with the kids, you know, sometimes it can be quite tiring. But remember also that, you know, your partner's on the other side and he's, you know, solo and working and, you know, it's just about, I guess, supporting each other the best way that you can because it it does get difficult at times, Mm. right? The communication is key. And I suppose a lot of people, as we said, would have gone through this. Do you have many of your, say, Dubai expat friends who are living within your area and your network that you can kind of fall back on to... to to bond with because you've got something to relate to you know actually not expat friends um i have a couple of friends that are relocating this summer um so really excited um about their moving but i actually um i've only got one friend and they moved back in 2021 they're still finding their feet um they're still adjusting um it's not been as easy as they as they thought it would be um but it's funny because actually a lot of my clients have become friends so even now they've settled and you know they'll drop me a message and be like I'm having a really bad day today I'm struggling and it's like okay let's go for a coffee let's talk about it you know um and so if anything actually you you know your clients become your friends because it becomes such a personal journey um and especially for those that relocate at the same time as me as well which is it's quite nice um but if you can if you know anybody that has relocated back or even if somebody you know, in your area, if you've met anybody, surround yourself with those people because being able to have those conversations is so, so, so important. It's really important. Uh, and you, you mentioned that obviously some people find it a bit harder to kind of settle back in. Is there a um? Is there one particular thing that maybe has popped up one, two, three, four, five times from clients and friends that they found particularly difficult in like readjusting back to the UK life? Yeah. And you know what the biggest one is, is thinking that they would have family support when they move back. 
and mm. their friends would be overjoyed to see them. So they moved back and everybody's like, yeah, you're back. Amazing. You know, and there's a big barbecue. And then it's like, oh, okay, I've not really heard from you in a month. I think, okay, yeah, I'm just busy. What are you up to? Okay, do you want to meet up? No, so I'm a bit busy. So they expect, they don't manage their expectations. So we actually have a life coach as part of Where's Home. And that's something that we really try to educate people because, you know, especially with parents as well, you know, the grandparents will think, oh, they're going to help with the kids. Some of them have aged a lot since you left, you know, so actually physically they're not fit enough to look after the kids, but they're expecting to have the child go on tap and they get here and they're like, oh, you said you was going to help me. And it's like, I'm tired. I can't, you know, so that's, um, that's one of the things that we see um, a lot actually. And again, this is why I feel like choosing where you relocate back to has to be based on your choices and try and pick areas where there are expats. I think that it's just really, really important just to have those conversations, especially talking about, because there's experiences that you can't speak about with your friends if they haven't lived abroad. You know, you need that kind of level of understanding. Um, and, you know, I've seen it with some friends, um, you know, that moved back or have been away and it's the comments from friends like, oh, you've changed since you've lived abroad or, okay, is that tax-free money? Yeah. You know, so, and it's like, well, actually, no, I yeah. did have to work for it. I just wasn't given money for free. You know? <laughs> with Where's Home, you offer life coach, you've got estate agents, you've got kind of all these resources. And what other services do you do that helps people kind of repatriate back to the UK? Um, so their shipments, so their personal um, effects, uh, the mortgages, which is a really big one, especially when obviously you're trying to get an expat um, mortgage. Um, solicitors obviously help you to go through the buying process as well, the legal um, side and utility setup as well. So particularly for those that are renting, when they move over, it's like, I don't have the time to do it. Um, can you set it up for me? So when they move over, everything's all set up for them. So our aim is literally pick you up from one place and to set you into your new home. Oh God, that's, that sounds like absolute bliss. To be <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Nadine, this has been, I'm really, I feel like I've really learned a lot and a lot of things oh, I might not have considered. So thank you so much for, for getting in no, touch. Thank you for the time. The it's been great. I've, re I've really enjoyed it. <laughs> No, it's, it's really good to talk. And it, I always love talking to people who've gone through this journey because um, one of my friends who was on the show said a really good thing that it's, it's too, mm. it's in a way, it's very difficult to talk about going as a, on an ex, to become an expat and then being a repat to someone who hasn't gone through that journey. 100%, and it's, yeah. it's always fascinating to hear other people's stories. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. But, um, uh, but before I let you go and enjoy the rest of, of your evening, I have a couple of questions I like to ask my guests. Just okay. a couple of quick fire questions that will stick together. So when you initially went out to Dubai for the first time, was there an item that you forgot to pack and that you regretted instantly? Oh, that is. <laughs> I don't think I packed enough chocolate, actually. Um, like I said, I hadn't been to Dubai and... I was very, very uh, upset when I didn't have my Cadbury's chocolate. <laughs> there is there is Cadbury's chocolate in Dubai, but it doesn't taste the same as the UK. So I was a bit upset there. <laughs> it never does. What was there a obviously big expat community, but did you pick up any any a favorite phrase while you were out there that became day to day? Oh gosh, I still use it now. Is yalla, which is like let's go, like, hurry, hurry. <laughs> <laughs> Do was there a song on your playlist that you listened to all the time out in Dubai that reminded you of home? 
That's a very, very um, good question, actually. Um, no, I actually listen to podcasts more than I do music. That's actually a very good question. Ah. No. What's your favourite podcast? Oh, Stephen Bartlett. Oh. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have to delete that bit. No, we'll cut that out. And um, so your final question, obviously, where where is next on your bucket list of countries to visit? So I didn't actually explore Asia. Um, you know, I really want to go to Singapore. I, I need to do, when we moved to Dubai, we was like, oh, we're going to go to all these places, but we actually only ever end up coming back home. So we've done a couple of places. Um, and now we are actually in the UK as well. I really, really want to take the boys to America, um, particularly New York. Um, I think that'd be amazing for them. Um, so yeah, but also I'd probably like the opportunity to work in New York as well. <laughs> <laughs> Who wouldn't love that opportunity? I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but again, Nadine, this has been absolutely fantastic. So thank you so much. I know, you're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been great. That's no, brilliant. And what I'll do is I'll get all your I'll get all of Where's Home because I think it's such a fantastic resource for people looking to move who move back to the UK. And thank I think you. definitely with how things are going. I think your services are just fantastic. So thank you oh, so thank much you so for much. that. It means a lot. Thank you. No, that's one. But for now, happy travels and enjoy your evening. Thank you. You too. Thank you for joining us today. And if you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing to the Tales from Travellers podcast to stay up to date on past and future episodes. I'm always looking to share new stories from expats and repats from all over the world. So please reach out if you'd like to share your story. You never know, your story could be the one that helps someone make that life-changing choice. You can find us on Instagram at Tales from Travellers. I'd love to hear your story, and more importantly, I'd love to share it with the world. I look forward to hearing from you, but thanks again for joining me, and until next time, happy travels. <laughs>